Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Caitlin Kenny. And I'm Zoe Chase. If you've been listening to our show the last couple weeks, you know Planet Money is making a t-shirt. Yes. And the reason we're making a t-shirt is so that we can document the way t-shirts around the world are made. And to do this, we've been talking to lots and lots of people in the t-shirt business about how to do it. People like Michael Flanagan. He's the CEO of a company called Close Source. He helps companies figure out where they're going to make the clothes that they sell. And one question that a lot of these companies have for him, where is the cheapest place in the world to make a T-shirt? It's probably Haiti, actually. Um, but if you want volume and you want to be fairly sure the price will be that way for a while, then it's kind of most of the time for almost all garments, it's going to be Bangladesh. Bangladesh. It's the second largest clothing exporter in the world. And lots of apparel manufacturers in the world get their T-shirts made in Bangladesh. H&M, Zara, Walmart, JCPenney, and now Planet Money. That's right. We made a decision a few months ago that to get our T-shirts made, we're going to partner with a big apparel company, this company called Jockey. So our women's T-shirt is going to be made in South America, in Colombia. And our men's T-shirt is going to be made at a factory they use in Bangladesh. But right now, there's horrifying news coming out of Bangladesh about the garment industry. Factory collapse a few weeks ago. Before that, there was a big fire. Other factory collapses in the past few years have happened in Bangladesh. And as part of this project, we'll be going there. We'll be traveling to Bangladesh to see for ourselves what it's like and report on it. But right now, with all this news coming out, we've been asking ourselves a question that consumers and businesses all over the world are asking. Is buying a T-shirt from Bangladesh a good thing or a bad thing for the economy of the country? It's a complicated question, and there's no easy answer. For a lot of countries, making T-shirts has led to a better way of life, to big economic success. But Bangladesh may be a unique case. It seems sort of stuck at this low rung on a ladder of economic development. On the show today, our first attempt to look at how our T-shirt fits into Bangladesh's future. We've been reading a lot lately about the factory collapse. You probably have too. But we also wanted to talk to someone who worked in one of these places, in one of these factories in Bangladesh, someone who really knew what life was like inside. We spoke with a woman named Kalpuna Actor. She started working in a clothing factory when she was a child. And she says when she was hired, no one asked any questions. The guy in charge just looked at her, got her name, and that was about it. He didn't ask me anything. Nothing. Not even ask my age, how old I am. She was 12. Kalpana's father had been a construction worker, she says. But when he got sick, she and her mother had to get jobs to support the family. Her mother worked with her in the factory for a couple months, but then left to take care of Kalpana's little sister. Kalpana kept working, making men's pants. She had to cut through three or four layers of fabric with a pair of scissors. And her hands hurt. The hours were long. 14 hours was uh, the regular, and um, whenever we would do a minor mistake in the factory, the supervisor would slap on us. Like, slap you across the face, like hit you? Yeah. It was 1989, and child labor was very common in Bangladesh's garment factories at the time. Kalpuna's 10-year-old brother worked alongside her. But today, she's a labor activist. She led a strike at one of the factories she worked at and got fired because of it. 
and she's been fighting for better working conditions ever since. Today, she's the executive director at the Bangladesh Center for Worker Solidarity. She, better than anyone, knows how complicated it is to talk about the role of T-shirts in a developing economy. Despite the appalling conditions at the factory where she worked, she also talks about the job as this crucial economic step for her. These jobs helped her family. I would say that, you know, this job helped us. There is no doubt. Okay. Like, uh, when I I had to earn in back, like when I started working, if I would not have this job, what I would do. This was the only income in your family, right? Was there any other option for how you guys were going to get money? No, there wasn't any other option. So that was like only one job that I can choose in the working in the garment factory only. What Kalpuna went through, what Bangladesh has gone through in the past 30 years, we at Planet Money have been calling it the T-shirt phase. It's this first step that developing countries go through in manufacturing, where they make low-skill products, basic textiles, simple shirts and pants, things that take very little skill. It's not a huge step for someone to be working on the farm one day and be cutting fabric the next. Britain went through this phase in the late 18th century. In the 19th century, New England and the U.S. went through this phase. Then the U.S. South, the southern U.S., had a T-shirt phase. And during the last century or so, it has spread through Asian countries, Japan, Hong Kong, Korea. The T-shirt phase is awful and brutal, as we're seeing right now in Bangladesh. But it seems, based on history, that if you suffer through this phase, there's a reward waiting. It happened in South Korea. It happened in Singapore and Hong Kong. It's going to happen in Bangladesh. Munir Kudus is the dean of the College of Business at Prairie View A&M University in Texas. He's an economist from Bangladesh who has studied what happens to countries after their T-shirt phase. He says the dream for a country like Bangladesh is to follow the path of South Korea. He remembers going to Seoul to visit the headquarters of Daewoo, and they walked him through this area displaying all kinds of stuff that the company had manufactured. I was taken to the second floor, and uh, there was an exhibition room. And I started from one corner. There were shirts and garments. And by the time I ended on the other corner, they were, they were exhibiting uh, computers and even tanks and airplanes that they were building. So, you know, you can, you can see the transition across industries and across technologies. Um, basically, what happens is you create uh, a class of entrepreneurs. You create a class of managers. And so the wealth and the surplus that's created here is then reinvested. That's the dream, from T-shirts to jet engines. And if anybody needed a dream like this, it was Bangladesh. Bangladesh is a relatively new country, used to be part of Pakistan, declared independence in 1971. And that time is a really bad scene in the short history of Bangladesh. There had been a civil war. There were millions of displaced people. So when Bangladesh came into existence, everyone thought that it's not going to be a viable economy and a viable country. In fact, uh, Henry Kissinger, who was the Secretary of State at that time, famously quipped that Bangladesh is going to be the international basket case, meaning that, you know, you'll have foreign aid and foreign aid, but uh, nothing is going to happen in terms of sustainable economic development. Munir grew up in Bangladesh and remembers this time. He says the only thing the country had going for it was tea and this stuff called jute. Okay, other people may know what this is. I had to ask. It's basically a fiber that people use to make baskets or backing under carpets. The important thing, though, is that this jute, this was it. This was the big export. 
And with that kind of economy, basically non-existent except for one agricultural product, Bangladesh was the perfect candidate for the t-shirt phase. And the country followed a very typical script. Businesses from foreign countries moved in looking for workers. Farmers and their families came to the capital city ready to work at those factories. Munir says in Bangladesh's case, it was mainly women. He wrote a book about them. The women would find low-cost housing a couple of miles away and they would walk. So early in the morning, at four in the morning, five in the morning, when it was still dark, you would see thousands and thousands of women workers uh, walking towards the factories, which could be miles away. Six to seven women living in a small room, one toilet between them, slum-like conditions. It sounds wretched. But Munir says actually that this was some kind of improvement. The alternatives were even worse. Um, this opened up new doors for them. Uh, for the first time in their lives, they were having a cash income. And they, they were the owners of that income. They didn't have to depend on their husbands. He says it also kept a lot of women from being forced into marriages they didn't want with older, abusive husbands. In Bangladesh at this time, it was common for parents to marry off their daughters really young, 13, 14 years old. And there was a practical reason. The older you were the bigger the dowry your parents had to pay your future husband's family. By getting into the t-shirt business, Bangladesh has brought a huge amount of people out of poverty. In the last decade, the country has gone from nearly 60 percent of the people living below the poverty line to 30 percent. The population is also growing much more slowly. The growth rate used to be one of the highest in the world in this precarious, dangerous way. It's now slowed down. The average age people live to is 70. People are saving money. They're buying stuff with that money. And this is the point traditionally where a country like Bangladesh starts to move out of the T-shirt phase, starts making higher-end clothing, button-down shirts or suits, then, you know, low-end electronics, simple things, and eventually works its way up to the high end. But Bangladesh, it seems to be stuck making T-shirts. It's been doing it for more than 30 years. And still, T-shirts. Vijaya Ramachandran is an economist and a senior fellow at the Center for Global Development. So, you know, you've basically got a, an economy that's very much oriented towards um, producing low-cost manufactured goods like T-shirts. So everybody's doing pretty much the same thing, and the wage in manufacturing is about the same as the wage for the whole country. In other words, not new manufacturing jobs pulling the country up and out of T-shirts. 80% of the country's exports are clothes, cheap clothes. And as we saw in the last few weeks, some of the factories are incredibly dangerous. The working conditions are still bad. Where is the progress that the T-shirt phase promises? Bangladesh seems stuck. No one that we talked to could really agree on the reason why. So here are a few. One, Bangladesh's economy isn't diversified. South Korea, the country they want to be, in the height of its t-shirt phase, it wasn't just t-shirts. They were in other industries besides clothing and apparel. They made and sold other stuff. Bangladesh isn't like that. Two, most of the clothing companies are locally owned by Bangladeshis. And this kind of sounds like a good thing because the money stays at home. But the problem is there's not a ton of money to expand into other areas. There's not a clear way to tap international capital a foreign-owned factory could use its experience in the rest of the world to bring in new machines, to train people. And Bangladesh doesn't have that. The third reason Bangladesh is stuck? China. 
China's t-shirt phase is still going on. It competes with Bangladesh. And in history, this is unprecedented. Usually countries graduate out of the t-shirt phase. But China? China's holding on to everything, t-shirts and electronics, because they themselves have so many people in poverty who want those jobs. There's so many people there that China's not stepping aside. They still make clothes, and they do it better than Bangladesh does. So even though the prices coming out of China for clothes are way higher, clothing companies like the one Michael Flanagan works with, they still want to manufacture there. China is still very much in the game. And by and large, China tends to make a product that it is easier for the buyer to to get more money for. Um, One of Bangladesh's core problems is that its manufacturers have have not yet learned or been able to learn how to make garments that can actually can be sold at a higher price. The way out of the t-shirt phase is not so clear here. Bangladesh might just be stuck. No one's quite sure the way they move forward, and it's really hard to picture how they get from where they are to where South Korea is. But on the other hand, there is one reason to be hopeful. Yes, the t-shirt phase is horrible. We're seeing that play out right now. But there's room for Bangladesh to make more money off the shirts that they do make. One of the reasons wages are so low in T-shirt making countries is that the industry there worries that this is their big competitive advantage, cheap labor. They worry that some other country is going to come along and replace them, someone who can steal all their business by undercutting their prices with workers that will work cheaper, longer, harder. But Bangladesh actually doesn't have an obvious competitor who would take its place making T-shirts. Vijay Ramachandran has studied the prospects of countries in Africa taking Bangladesh's place. It is very difficult to find uh, countries comparable to Bangladesh, that's for sure. You know, it's not like there's a there's a huge line of countries uh, that, that T-shirt makers can choose from if they decide to leave Bangladesh. It may well be the case that they remain in the poorer economies of Asia for as long as they possibly can um, just to utilize the, the, the cheap wages and also the, the better infrastructure that exists uh, in Asia relative to, uh, certainly relative to sub-Saharan Africa. I can't identify any you know, obvious candidates to replace Bangladesh, perhaps Myanmar. I don't know, you know, Madagascar is sometimes seen as a, as a possibility. But none of these countries are very clear candidates to be successors to Bangladesh. So Bangladesh has some room to move, a little bargaining power in the world economy, because they're in this unique position where no one knows where else to go. It could charge a little more for its T-shirts. Where else will Walmart and H&M go to get their clothing made? Just look at the numbers. Flanagan broke this down for us. A T-shirt from Cambodia costs 82 cents more than one coming from Bangladesh. So Bangladesh, they could raise their cost 20 cents, say, and use that money to pay the workers more to improve safety conditions at the factory. And we would all pay more for the shirts that we're wearing right now. But it's not so much more that manufacturers would pull out completely. Just this week, the government of Bangladesh said they're going to raise the minimum wage for garment workers. And H&M, one of the biggest producers of clothing in Bangladesh, said they'll sign on to a pledge to improve factory conditions. This could be the beginning of change for Bangladesh. Wages could get higher, factory conditions could get safer, and they could follow the path of all these other countries who've come before them. All these other countries that left the T-shirt phase behind and got richer. In the next few months, we're going to go to Bangladesh. We are going to look at what's really happening there, 
These changes, if they do happen, they will take time, and we will be reporting on it. As always, we want to know what you thought of today's show. You can email us, planetmoney at npr.org. You can also find us on the blog at npr.org slash money. I'm Caitlin Kenny, And I'm Zoe Chase. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.